Okay, a couple things. Um, we're starting a new series this month called Love Is, and uh, we're going to look a little different way. It's easy. Maybe it's just me because I listen to a lot of sermon stuff, and I kind of see it from the church world, but a lot of times I'll hear a series, and I'm like, all right, I know where you're going with this. Love is patient. Love is kind. I know what you're doing, but uh, I'm going to try to look at it from a different angle um, this morning and especially over the next couple weeks, um, but the series is called Love Is, and uh, it's interesting, again, in our world. I think I said this last week. I'm actually a culprit of saying this. Um, a lot of times I'll say, love it. Like I'll say, someone will text me something, I'll just say, love it. And it's stupid stuff. Like, I love it that the Michigan Wolverines are going to be the Big Ten champions. I love that. Yeah, right? But that's really a stupid thing to use the word love for, um, obviously. So we got to look at this word love in a completely different angle. So the next couple of weeks, I think we're going to look a little differently at the, at the love is. And... Um, it's always interesting. I kind of want to go off the record for just a minute, and I want you to catch this. So um, it's interesting. Here's what I believe. The greatest thing I had ever seen happen in church, and it's probably not the greatest, but to me it was just the most different than anything I had ever heard. I knew of a church on the east side. Uh, it was called Kensington. Uh, a pastor friend of mine works there. And they were planting a new church in a city. Uh, Clinton Township, they were planting a new church. But there was also another church of a different style that they heard was also planting a church in that same city. So typically what would happen in unfortunate church world is it would be this race to see who gets there first. So we're going to start there first and we're going to get all the people or whatever. Instead, what the pastor did of Kensington Church, he heard the other pastor, met the other pastor, brought the other pastor to his church and brought him up and said, here's the reality. This pastor so-and-so is going to be planting a church in Clinton Township, and he has a different style than ours. And he said, that's okay. We celebrate that. And, uh, and he said, because we all can't do it the same way. Everything belongs. We all have a different style. We all have a different niche. Um, I think it's really foolish when churches try to say that that doesn't exist. Nope. We all know there's only one way to God. That's through Jesus. We know that. But some of the other style stuff is preference. You know, it's just what works for you. You can't say, like, it's, this is the only way that church should be run. So he brings this other pastor up to his church, so a couple thousand people in his service, and he says, hey, they're planting a church in the same city that we're going to plant a church, and it's going to be a little different, and, uh, and then let him share. So he said, hey, I'm going to let you share uh, about your church. And when the guy got done sharing what his church would be like, he said to his own congregation, any of you that want to be a part of that, may we just bless you and encourage you to go leave our church and be a part of another church. And I just thought, what in the world? But how kingdom, like how God is that? And so um, I believe this, that God does things specifically in regions and with people. Um, and I believe that about vertical church. I believe that when we're up here talking about something, so love is or whatever we talk about, it's because that's the assignment for the people that call Vertical Church their home. And so there's sort of this way that God wants us to do things and God wants to lead us into some things. And so he's going to teach us some things. And so I believe that what we walk through in a sermon series is what God is equipping us and empowering us for. Does that make sense to anybody? Do you get that? So when we go through a sermon series, it's not like, hey, we just need to check this off the box of a Bible study or what we should be saying as a church. I believe that, hey, this is a specific message. This is a specific 
stream or strand that God wants to weave in us, and, uh, and we should take it. And so here's a great example. Today, I'm getting ready to preach on uh, having the right heart, having the right heart, having the right attitude, having the right spirit about you. And so yesterday, we were here all day setting up. <laughs> so the drums, the cage, the stage, everything that you see out there, all that kids ministry, we have a team of people that come in on Saturday to help set that up. And my wife is one of those with me. And so we're up here, whatever. Here's how we left yesterday. I'm getting ready to preach this morning about have the right heart, have the right attitude, you know, blah, blah, blah. God uses people that keep the right heart, have the right spirit. Okay, that's what I'm getting ready to talk about. Yesterday, my wife left here mad at me because we were fighting. And I was happy that she left because we were fighting. So I'm getting ready. And, and if you have a problem with the fact that we fight, uh, find another church because, hey, we still bleed. So you know what I mean? So if you're I don't know, the pastor's up there talking about how they got in an argument. Sorry. We were just talking about this morning. I'm going to be real because being fake is exhausting. Somebody say amen. Right? Like, right? So there's other places you can go be that, but it's not going to be here. Everybody say that's good. So, so we weren't fighting like it's a habit of ours or we're always fighting. I'm just saying we, we were arguing and it just got, so, so we were just arguing about things. And so she's like, I'm going home. I was like, I hope you do. So, uh, so I hope you, you know, all that stuff. So, um, so anyway, here's the reason I said that. It's not because I want you to know that we fight. I, I, I said that because obviously there's something God's trying to download and install in us as a church, and that includes us. <laughs> so I want you to just know as I preach through this sermon this morning, I'm not getting up here and saying, you have to have the right heart. You have to be humble. You have to, because I'm up here just as much going like we. So I'm over here. <laughs> like we all need because that's what God wants to do with vertical. God, God wants to instill some things and download some things because where he wants to take us and what he wants us to be a part of, we're all in this together. It's really easy for a pastor to get up there and say, I'm about community. I'm about unity and getting together. And then like, we better push the brand of community. We better make sure that they understand this. No, we're all in this. I'm learning how love is works. I'm learning how to walk in the right heart, in the right spirit. We all are in this because it's God's assignment on this church. Somebody say amen. Okay, so with that being said, um, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to John 15, 13. They're actually gonna put it up on the screen, but I don't want you to get lazy and just read it off the screen. So we're gonna be putting the words up here for you, um, but for real, probably because I'm a pastor and a communicator, I really love following along with the Bible and making notes and making marks. And so even though we put them up on the screen, I don't want you to be like, I don't need to bring my Bible. I don't need to take notes because they put it on the screen. I want you to own it. So John 15, 13, I'll play with a few of these scriptures and then we'll jump into it. It says, greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one of his friends. Another translation says to lay down his life for others. So it says, greater love has no one. So to walk in the greatest of love, a little bit of what we talked about last week, to walk in the greatest level of love is to be somebody who lays down their life for others. Somebody say amen. That's your greatest level of love is to be somebody who lays down your agenda, your ideas, your concepts, your ways. The greatest is to lay down those for others. Now, it doesn't mean we compromise everything, and that doesn't mean that we just accept everything and call it okay. What I'm saying is 
we, we have an understanding of if I can live in a way that I prefer others, that I love others, that I connect and accept and think of others, there's no greater love than that. Proverbs 4.23, it says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. So if we're going to start a series here talking about what love is, so love is, if we're talking about what love is, then we need to take a look at where does it start? Where does love start? The greatest kind of love is those that lay down their life for others, but where does love start? And the scripture says that love starts from your heart. It says guard your heart because everything that comes out of it, every, guard your heart because everything comes out of it. And so if we're gonna be people of love, if we're gonna be people who have the greatest kind of love, we need to be people that guard and protect our heart. Amen? And so it's important for us to think about our heart. We use this phrase all the time. Um, it's easy, like when we're into something, uh, so whether it's a, a, a mission or a ministry or something that we're a part of, uh, we always use this saying, uh, we say, oh, I really have a heart for that. And what that saying is, I'm in alignment. It's easy for me to come in alignment with that because my heart is right about that thing. So it's easy to say, hey, I'm for that. I'm with that because my heart essentially comes in alignment with that thing. You guys with me? You guys tracking? And so that's what it's saying. This whole word here, dealing with the heart, is because everything we do comes out of our heart. We have to have a pure heart, a right heart. And, uh, and so we got to be conscious of, like, what am I allowing to grow? What am I allowing to take place in my heart? Because everything flows from it. Um, it's interesting, the church words that we use um, are when we become Christ followers or believers, we say, I've given my heart to Christ. My heart has become submitted unto God. Or uh, when you get saved, you know, I've asked Christ to come live in my heart. That's something we learn a lot in kids ministry is, you know, who today wants to ask Christ to come live in their heart and be the, the God of their heart because everything flows from it. And so uh, to talk about love, we need to talk about our heart. Luke chapter 10, verse 27 says, he answered, speaking of Jesus, uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. And so they were asking him, you know, what, what basically is your interpret? Give me the breakdown of the commandments and the laws and the thing, you know, how do we fulfill uh, what God has commanded us? And he said, here's how you do it. You love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and then love your neighbor as yourself. You, you prefer others. You love others. And uh, so when we talk about having love, it's not, notice the scripture didn't say, well, you love your family, and then you love your financial future, and then you love all those kinds of things. It doesn't say, like, take care of yourself first. It says love God and love others. And it's real easy for us to say, Oh, well, I love God. That, that's pretty easy to do. Uh, but I'm also going to love the rest of the stuff that goes around my life. And then I'll think about others. Uh, I think I tweeted this week. I forget who I quoted it from, but it was something along the lines of it's easy to, to pretend we have a relationship. It's easy to fake a relationship with God, but it's hard to fake a relationship with our neighbor, right? It's hard to pretend, I think is the word that the tweet said. It's, it's easy to pretend a relationship with God, but it's hard to pretend a relationship with our neighbor. Why? Because it requires something of us that's not natural for us to do. And uh, so looking at love is, looking at this idea of how do we walk in love? How do we guard our hearts? And 
uh, I think it boils down to one thought here that Jesus has a lot of uh, teachings on, and it has to do with guarding a heart and having a pure heart. Uh, here's what I learned about Jesus, and, and, and we all could say this. Jesus, especially when he chose his disciples and when he walked about giving teachings, uh, he didn't choose things and base statements with people and people groups that were the most educated, that had the best personality, you know, that had the perfect family lineage. Uh, a lot of times he walked along picking people that he knew had the right heart. Uh, I love Peter, you know, the whole story when Jesus is walking along the shore and he says to them, they're back out in the boat and he says, hey, come follow me. We all know the short story of that is in those days, those guys would have been raised to actually be a rabbi. But at some point in the stage, just like we go from elementary school to high school to college, the same thing with being trained to be a rabbi, as you go through stages, you actually miss the cut. So at a certain stage, someone would tell you, hey, you just don't have what it takes to be a rabbi, go back to your family trade. And so for those guys to be fishing on the shore at an older age means at some point they were told they're not good enough. And so here comes Jesus saying like, hey, I want you on this team, why? Because he probably knew about them that they had the right heart. They knew how to guard their heart. They knew how to make sure what was on the inside of them was, was, was pure and was, and was right. And they probably had a heart for others. And so I look at when the way Jesus chooses people, it's not always the perfect lineage. It's not always the most educated. I think he looks at the heart. Uh, I believe if you want to be great for God, you need to have the right heart. You need to have the right spirit about you. And uh, it's important. It starts with a humble spirit. Uh, I think it's hard for us to say things like this. I'm not in it for me. You know, I think if you were to calendar out all the things that you're involved in, and if you were to look at all of those things that you're involved in and see, really most of the things you're involved in are because you're getting something out of it. It's pretty easy to agree, right? I mean, like my hands up. Uh, so it's hard for us to say, I'm going to be involved and I'm going to invest my time and I'm going to sow this into this um, and not get anything out of it. I'm not going to climb the ladder in that thing. Um, a lot of times, how often do we choose things simply because it gives us a title? Yeah, I can do that because it promotes me to this title or it gives me this level um, or recognition. You know, how often do we bail out of things because it's been so long and you're just not getting recognition and they're just not uh, saying things about you the way that you were hoping to be said about. And so we always have this way of like, well, you don't this and well, you don't this. I think having the right heart is saying, uh, I love this saying, whenever you feel like quitting, remind yourself of why you started. And so it's real easy to say like, well, you know, they just don't appreciate me and, uh, you know, they just don't get it and they don't see what I'm doing. But why did you start? Was it to be appreciated and to be seen or was it to make a difference? Amen. And I think that's part of having the right heart, part of walking in this love that we're talking about that prefers other. It's, it's being able to say, I don't need to be on stage. I don't need to have a title. Uh, I just want to see the kingdom of God or the goodness of God advanced. It starts with having the right spirit. I love this about the apostle Paul. Uh, this is really cool. And his, if you, I couldn't write it all down because it would take me forever to read through it. But uh, basically, as he wrote, uh, and I, I'll lay out the years for you. But basically, as he wrote in Scripture, I love watching his pattern about how he grew in Christ. Um, after preaching a few years, so we've heard of his preaching ministry, and the Apostle Paul is out doing his teachings. In 59 AD, uh, he says, I'm the least among the apostles. So he's very early on in his ministry, and he has, makes a statement where he says he feels like he's the least among the apostles. Five years, and so the apostles are the disciples, you know, the leaders. Um, and so five years later in 64 AD, 
He's then changed his tune to, I'm the least of all the saints, so the believers. So he's kind of taken himself out of the category of the people in ministry, and now he's having this humble thing of, man, you know, I'm just the least among all the saints. One year later, uh, he says, I feel like I'm the chief of all sinners. And so as the more he walked with God, the more humbly he wrote about himself. And how many know, we know the apostle Paul's great. And I'm not saying we need to all become the, the scum of the earth and start talking poorly about ourselves. I'm just saying, isn't it interesting when we start in church? We become a new believer. We start walking with God and say, I'll do anything. I just want to serve the church. I'll just, I'll vacuum, I'll clean, I'll do whatever it takes. I, I just want to serve. But a couple years later, then it's like, well, you know, I just, I got this small group, but it, it really needs to turn into a ministry. I think, you know, they really need to make this a thing. And the more we walk in Christianity, isn't it interesting that we like to elevate and promote and like, we'd like to, oh, I would never go back. When I first started, I used to do that. I would never go back to that because we're always exalting ourselves. And, I, and I'm not saying that God says, hey, the more we walk, the more, like I said, scum we should be and the more, but I think the more we get to know the heart of God, the more that we get to, we, we should have this attitude of, man, what an honor, what a privilege to be able to do anything God's called us to do, amen? I, um, I often think of my early days in ministry. I grew up in church. My parents were in ministry um, doing, uh, they were children's pastors and served uh, it's really funny. Before children's ministry was a ministry, um, this was maybe 25 years ago. So before they even called a children's pastor a children's pastor, uh, my parents, my mom, went down to a ministry in Oklahoma where they, where they first started children's ministry. They had this concept of, you know what? We're going to make ministry specifically for kids, and we're going to teach you how to do that, and we're going to be conscious of their attention spans and all this stuff. And I'll never forget because I was super young, and uh, my mom came back from that thing, and she had a meeting with her children's ministry team, and I swear to you, this is literally what they did. They had all this fabric and all this foam, and at the conference, this is how long ago it was, they learned how to make puppets. <laughs> So they literally were putting the tongue in the fake eyes and all this kind of stuff. And that's funny. That's like, I don't know why you don't think that's funny. <laughs> Imagine that. Like if we were like, hey, we're having a meeting. Everybody meet us up. We're going to make puppets. You'd be like, oh, my gosh. Uh, so it's funny how ministry has evolved. But I just remember. So I grew up in church, ministry my whole life, got my call. I ignored my call, just to be honest with you. Um, when I was 15 years old, I was at a youth camp, and someone spoke over me at an altar and uh, worshiping and came and said, hey, uh, you know, you're called to be in the ministry, and because of um, growing up in ministry, you see the hardship of it. I was like, no, I'm not going to be a part of that. So for a year, I was like, no, not going to do that. That's not going to be my living. Um, that's not going to do what I'm going to do for my future. And so for a year, I ignored it. And then a year later, we went to the same youth camp, but a different person, same scenario, came to me and said, hey, you've been running and resisting. You know, God's calling you to accept the call, blah, blah, blah. And uh, so being grown up in church, I knew, you know, I better follow this or it's going to be bad. Um, so totally jumped in my call. And what I did for the first, first time, um, I'm trying to think, I was probably 15. I wasn't driving, so I know that. The first thing I did was we had a U-Haul truck. And uh, so the church had bought a U-Haul truck. Some of you will remember this because you're Res Life people. But um, it had a box truck. So we bought a U-Haul truck, a box truck, and they painted it all super cool for kids. It was like bright orange. It had this really cool cheetah-looking logo on it. And what they did was they cut the side of it out. And so they cut the side, and what it would do is it would fold into a stage. So a box truck pulls into the sidewalk, and you drop the side of the box truck down, and it becomes a stage. 
And so what we would do is we would go into schools. And so this was my first ministry. And so I would take a break from my job because I was working a job and I would drive over to the school when they got out of school and it was here in Holland and that, that would pass out these little flyers and I would say, hey, we have this ministry. You need to come back tonight. And, you know, you'd lure kids. So it'd be like, yeah, we got games and free candy and all this kind of stuff. And so they would come back at seven and uh, the families would come. And so we'd hang out and do the service in the community or whatever. And uh, the thing is about it, nobody, like nobody knew that you did it. It wasn't the Sunday morning. It was like pastor got up there every day and was like, hey, uh, you know, our team is doing this thing. There was no recognition. And I was wasting my lunch break. So I was like, you know, 30 minutes as fast as I can, 90 miles an hour, pass out the things. And, uh, but the best times that I had with God were those times, the unnoticed. I wish sometimes you could go back to oh, just when no one notices. When it's, you know, because God always notices, but having the right heart and just doing it when, when uh, it's not because it's a platform or because it's this thing. Just the, the simple, humble times are the best times. Somebody say amen. So I think that's what Paul was saying here is like the more he walks with God, the more he just understands the beauty and the, and the, and the, just the best part of God is when you walk and you're humble and, and, and you keep the right heart. Uh, I love this saying. The man who is too big to do little things is too little to ever do big things. That's a good one to write down. The man who is too big to do little things is too little to ever do big things. The scripture says this, that in the end times, I don't have this one typed out for you, but it says, beware in the end times there's going to be seducing spirits or evil spirits. And I think that what part of that is, is, we can all talk about the, the madness that's on the news and all those kinds of things. Uh, but what I think it is sometimes is the majority of, of good churchgoers or people that are connected to a body of Christ, they're not going to fall away in drugs or in alcohol or in some of the big things that we, we make a big deal of. But that seducing spirit that it's talking about, it's not just, you know, the sedu sexual seducing spirit. I think it's when it, when it seduces you into thinking something that you're not. It's, it's messing with your heart. So it's either pride or it's unforgiveness or it's these things that harden our heart. And it seduces you away from the things that God called you to be in the way that God called you to walk. And so I think it's super important for us to know you're not going to fall away in some crazy sin, but you need to be conscious of the fact that God wants you to keep a pure heart and remain with a pure heart. So you can't let unforgiveness and anger and you can't let uh, isolation is the biggest one that I see. It's so frustrating for me to see great people stuck in useless things. So much DVR time, so much just wasted useless time in their life, isolated where they could be making such a difference. The enemy's got the kingdom of God, the body of Christ, so deceived. Oh, you have nothing to offer. Oh, you're not good enough. So why don't you just stay disconnected? You have no idea how just the littlest thing can make a huge difference in the kingdom of God. Somebody say amen. Our teams of people that come here and just help with the kids and, you know, wipe noses and sing songs with the kids, all that stuff, I'm telling you, goes so much further than you even know. Every single week I get emails from people that are like, oh, your kid's ministry, uh, you know, listen, they're not up there. They're not up there with Bible degrees given theologically debate, none of that. They're over there singing fun songs and playing with the kids and telling them a simple Bible story because that, you know, amen, who's with me? And so, and so my heart in that is we got to be conscious of the, the seducing spirits that are trying to sway us from what God wants us to do. Um, scripture says this. 
uh, well, actually, let me skip that a minute. When things go wrong, you have to have the right spirit. You have to guard your heart. That's what the scripture says. Above all else, guard your heart because everything flows from it. So be thinking this week, as we're talking about love is and walking in love, be thinking about the ways that you're consciously guarding your heart. Um, literally yesterday, so Jess and I get in a big fight and I leave, I hope you go in a ditch, you know, all that kind of stuff. Of course I didn't say that because I'd have to go get her out. But uh, <laughs> so uh, anyway, so that, so like, ah, oh, you leave. Whatever. And that's, here's what we did. Uh, this is so funny. She crochets, and uh, there's two kinds of crocheting. There's like, oh, I'm watching TV and I'm crocheting, and then there's when she's bothered about something like, you know, her hands are all tied up in it. I'm like, you okay? I'm fine. It's supposed to be like this. Uh, so it was that yesterday. So I come home, of course, we're arguing, whatever, and I just said, hey, we need to, you know, sit down, just make a plan on how we're going to protect our hearts from allowing these things to happen. That easy. That easy. And, and so when we talk about, oh, you got to guard your hearts and you got to, it's that easy. You just sit down and you just say like, hey, maybe between your husband and your wife or maybe for you, you're going into work and it's like, oh, your boss and the grind and that thing. Maybe on your way in, you just say to yourself and God, okay, this week, how am I going to guard my heart to not let offense and frustration and all the anxiety and all the pressure, all those things that you're dealing with at your job. If I can just guard my heart, God, help me guard my heart today because everything flows from it. Everything flows from it. And so it'll change your atmosphere like that because God, the scripture, <laughs> he's waiting to enter with you in that story. And so it's that simple. We just have to be conscious and set a plan um, about how we're going to guard our heart. Uh, I love this. Uh, the danger in murmuring and complaining and not keeping the right heart is that the scripture says that life and death is in the power of the tongue. So when we speak life and we speak positive, those things come into existence. The scripture says that God framed the world with his words. And then the scripture also says that we are imitators of God. So we frame our world with our words. What we say comes into existence. And it's the same thing when we're speaking negatively. When you're walking around kicking rocks and kicking the dog and speaking all negative, you're getting those things. You're getting those things. And so just be conscious of guarding your heart and guarding your mouth. Uh, I love this. The scripture uh, says this about Daniel. Uh, Daniel, we know, who is in the lion's den. And then we also know most of us, when we go on a 21-day fast, there's a whole Daniel fast plan out there. We get that from him. Uh, but it was said this about him in scripture. It said, in whom was found an excellent spirit. And so about him, he had the right heart. He just had an excellent spirit. He guarded his heart. And uh, I'll close with this, if uh, Dorn wants to come up and play. Uh, I'll close with this thought. Check this out. A lot of people, and I've said this before, a lot of people can quote the Bible and give you a breakdown on Christianity and all this kind of stuff. You can be right. Check this out. Look at me. Everybody up here. Uh, you can be right, and I've said this a couple weeks ago. You can be right in doctrine and cold in spirit. Uh, that's something we have to guard. So a lot of times you can sit here and say, well, I've been doing ministry for years, or I've been involved in churches for years, especially as a church plant. You know, we'll get that all the time. You know, someone we'll meet with, and, and, and nobody in this room, I'm not saying anybody in this scenario, but most of why we were planning it. Um, and you get these people said, you just need to know that I've done all of these things. I would be great for your church. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like, 
yeah, so, and I'm not discounting anybody who served or whatever, but I'm just saying you can see that from a mile away. Why? Because you can know the Bible in and out, have all these, you know, time spent at the church and whatever, and come off very cold in spirit. And I think that in these last days, the thing that's going to be the answer for the world and all the struggles and all the things that we see is when we can combine knowledge of scripture and integrity and, and, and a good, you know, godly theology, but we can take that and we can love our neighbor. That's going to be the, the change. Somebody say amen. So you can be cold in spirit, you can be cold in spirit, but right in doctrine. Um, there's a story with, with Moses. And this is, I guess, the take home for you as we talk about love is and keeping the right heart. Um, Numbers chapter 11, verse 16, uh, it says this, I'll just read it. It says, the Lord said to Moses, bring me 70 of Israel's elders who are known to you as leaders and officials among people. Have they come to you or have them come to you a tent meeting that they may stand with you? Verse 17. I will come down and speak with you there. I will take some of the power of the spirit that is on you and put it on them. They will share the burden. They will share the burden of the people with you so that you will not have to carry it alone. Here's what I want to say about this. Your right spirit. So this is talking about how God's taking the spirit. He said, I'll take what's on you and I'll put it on others. I'll take what's on you, the spirit that's on you, and I'm going to put it on others. We're going to spread this thing out so that you guys can do it together. And that's the truth about walking in the right spirit. You in your life, so with your kids, with your husband, with your wife, with all those things, when you walk in the right spirit, when you guard your heart so that everything that flows from it is right, that gets on other people. So it's important for you in your own life to guard your heart and protect your heart and make sure, but also when you're walking in that, it regenerates, it gets on other people. Somebody say amen. So the scripture is saying it's contagious. So as you walk into work, as you walk into your home, as you walk into uh, all of those places that you go with family, without family, be conscious of the fact that what you have, what you've been given by God is contagious. And that's why it's important for us to guard our heart. The longer we walk with God, the more humble we should be. If you get your right spirit, you will be qualified for anything you need to achieve your destiny. When you walk with the right spirit and the humbleness and the heart for God, God can take you to amazing places. So the question today is, how is your spirit towards those maybe who've hurt you or lied about you or left you or disrespected you or don't take you serious? We got to guard our hearts from those things. Won't you all stand? I want you to um, I want you to think about those things. I know that's the hard part where we put it into action. It's easy to have like a good sermon or maybe not a good sermon <laughs> to you, but it's easy for us to hear some stuff and be like, oh, that was good or a good thought or whatever. But then it's the part where we, we, you know, we put it into action. We make it happen. So I know those are tough questions when I say, hey, how's your heart today? Like when it didn't turn out the way you thought it was going to. How's your heart towards God when they left you? Those specific words that you remember them saying, those can't stay today because they're going to rob you of what God wants to do with you. 
So whatever those are, and I know it's heavy and it's hard, but this is God's design for this morning for you to not have those anymore. Today is the day that you walk here free. You leave here with none of those because God wants to set you free because he wants you to have the right heart, a pure heart, because everything else flows from it. So obviously nothing hocus pocus happens, nothing crazy, charismatic, simply this, I pray, and you leave those things here. You just leave them here. You just trust God that he can heal you and walk with you and restore you. I'm not saying it's, I'm not saying it's forever gone and you never have a memory, but the memory doesn't have you. Amen. So think about those things that maybe have a place in your heart how you were raised, how you weren't raised, what you have, what you don't have, what God did, what he didn't do. All of those things that may be holding you back or holding you up, today we take the red tape off it and we just say, we trust you, God. All the songs that we sang, all of those things, we trust God, his ways are higher, his ways are better. Let me pray for you and agree with you. While I pray these prayers, just believe that God is healing you, is doing a work, is moving you forward because that was his design for you today. God, we love you so much. Lord, we thank you for every person here. God, we know that your design for us is set free. Scripture says that whom the Son sets free is free indeed. This morning, you're free indeed from all of those things that have tried to hold you back or try to clutter your heart or try to distract you from a goodness and a pureness. God, we say this morning, set us free. God, we thank you that you're empowering us to trust you and move forward. God, we rip down the rear view mirror. Some of you this week, I mean, that's, that's your exercise. It's to just say and encourage to each other, hey, that's rear view driving. We don't drive out the rear view mirror, we drive out the windshield. The front windshield is a lot bigger than the rearview mirror because you're supposed to be doing your driving out the front. So this week, you need to remind each other and others or whatever you're encountering, don't drive from the rearview mirror, drive from what God's ahead. Scripture says that I let go of the former things and I reach towards the things ahead. Why? Because this is the greatest thought I ever heard. You can't lay hold of the things in front of you that God's trying to give you if your hands are full of the things of the past. You can't take what he's trying to give you if your hands are full of the past. So this morning and this week, God, we just trust you that we're letting go of the former things. We're letting go of all the, the ways that we used to think, the ways that we used to have passion, all, all of those things that, Lord, are not of you. We drop them today and we reach forward and grab hold of the new things that you have for us. And we trust you with them. Though we don't understand it, Lord, we know your ways are higher. Give us a peace that passes all understanding. We wanna trust you in a way that peace comes even if we don't understand it. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen, everybody say amen. Keep your eyes closed and your head bowed. If you're in here this morning and you've never made a commitment for Christ, you've never decided to be a Christ follower, to, to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life, become a Christian. If you've never made that decision, I wanna pray that prayer with you. It's super easy, nothing, crazy is going to happen. We're not going to have you come forward or anything like that. I just want to pray up here with you um, that today you choose to be a Christ follower, that you say this day forward, I'm making 
my heart right with God. I want to choose him to be the Lord and Savior of my life. You want to make a commitment to be a Christian this morning. If that's you, nobody looking around. Uh, everyone's eyes are closed. On the count of three, just raise your hand, and uh, I'll pray with you right where you are. We'll all pray out loud together, and uh, it'll be the best decision you can make. So anybody in here on the count of three, one, two, three, just raise your hand, and I will pray with you this morning. Anybody? Awesome. Awesome. Here's what we're going to do. If if you weren't able to, to raise your hand because, you know, you're, I understand it's a room full of people you don't know, we're going to pray this prayer anyway. And the scripture says that um, in your heart, if you pray and you make a decision to make him the Lord of your life, um, and that's a heart thing, uh, you'll be saved. You'll on, be on your way to heaven if you make a confession. So here's what we're going to do. We're all going to pray. And we're all just going to say this and repeat after me. Say, God, today. I choose you to be Lord of my life. Forgive me of my sins. Help me to walk with you. In Jesus' name.